0: From restaurant openings and discounts on bars and hotels to beauty and fashion offers, Sherlock's partners with London's best venues, suppliers and brands to bring its VIP's exclusive monthly offers. And this month, we're offering new annual sign-ups a free Kate Somerville exfoliating treatment worth £72. Or you can trial VIP and get two months free access using the code VIPX2 at checkout. For more information, visit Sherlock's VIP.com. time poor, never get around to watching or reading the news, where you're not quite as on top of what's happening in the world as you should be. Well, the daily news in brief from sherlocks.com is the daily email that brings you the scoop on the breaking news and current affairs you need to know about each day. In this weekly podcast, we round up all those stories into one neat episode. So subscribe, keep listening and stay informed.
1: Welcome to the Daily News In Brief Podcast. Today is the 13th of June and this week's main stories are... The race for leadership of the Conservative Party began in earnest on Monday, as several candidates launched their official campaigns. After a handful of last-minute dropouts, 10 candidates remain in the race. The first vote to whittle down the candidates will be held today, with those standing needing to win the votes of at least 17 Tory MPs to remain in the race. This will be followed by a second round, where candidates must win 33 votes... If all candidates win 33 votes, those with the lowest number will be eliminated, with this process repeated throughout next week until only two candidates remain. Once the race is down to two contenders, the contest will move to a postal ballot of party members to select the winner. The new leader is expected to be announced in the week beginning the 22nd of July. At present, Boris Johnson and Jeremy Hunt appear to be contest frontrunners. Formerly Foreign Secretary, Johnson has long been considered a likely candidate for Tory leadership after successfully heading up the Vote Leave campaign in 2016. Selling himself as the leader to put Nigel Farage back in his box, Johnson has pledged to take Britain out of the EU in October, deal or no deal. Despite being the bookies' favourite, Johnson is not universally liked. Earlier this year, multiple Tory MPs pledged to quit the party if he became leader. Johnson is closely followed by current Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt. Also deemed a strong candidate for leadership, Hunt has won influential backing in the form of Work and Pension Secretary Amber Rudd and Defence Secretary Penny Mordaunt. On Brexit, Hunt plans to renegotiate the withdrawal agreement, but has insisted he would also be prepared to leave without a deal. The other contenders leading the field are former leader of the House, Andrew Leadsom, Environment Secretary, Michael Gove, and Home Secretary, Sajid Javid. A hardline Brexiteer, Leadsom has backed a no-deal departure in the form of a managed exit. It is not the first time she has gone for the top job. In 2016, Leadsom challenged Theresa May for the leadership, but later withdrew after her claim that being a mother gave her an advantage over May sparked controversy. Rival candidate Michael Gove has been the source of outrage in this year's contest, after admitting to using cocaine on several occasions while working as a journalist. The admissions saw him condemned by Javid, whose campaign includes a pledge to recruit 20,000 new police officers. The son of a Pakistani bus conductor, if Javid won the contest, he would become the first ever black or Asian person to lead a major British party. Other candidates vying for the leadership include Health Secretary Matt Hancock and International Development Secretary Rory Stewart, While both are considered competition outsiders, Stewart has generated considerable interest through his social media campaign and his promise to take a no-deal Brexit off the table. Hancock has also described a no-deal exit as not a policy choice available. The 40-year-old health secretary is hoping to appeal to younger voters and has been described as tech-savvy running his own app. A collection of former cabinet ministers make up the rest of the candidates, including former Chief Whip Mark Harper, former Work and Pension Secretary Esther McVeigh and former Brexit Secretary Dominic Raab. McVeigh has hit headlines for being firmly in favour of a no-deal Brexit, while Raab has drawn criticism for suggesting Parliament should be suspended to force through a no-deal exit. Harper, however, appears likely to seek a further delay to negotiate a new deal with the EU. While the odds look poor for McVeigh and Harper, Raab's candidacy looks more likely, with bookmaker Betfair placing his chances at 37 to 1 as of Tuesday afternoon. The UK has become the first G7 country to legislate net-zero emissions targets – In a statement on Wednesday, outgoing Prime Minister Theresa May announced a legally binding agreement which will see the UK aim to reach net zero emissions by 2050. Unveiling the legislation, May said, this country led the world in innovation during the Industrial Revolution and now we must lead the world to a cleaner, greener form of growth. The targets mean any emissions produced after 2050 will need to be offset by removing an equivalent amount from the atmosphere, a move which will require major changes to transport, heating and food consumption. While some welcomed the PM's announcement, others have been more critical. Lord Debden, chair of the Committee on Climate Change, praised the agreement, claiming it would send a strong signal to other countries. However, Friends of the Earth CEO Craig Bennett said May's time in office had been characterised by chronic inaction on climate breakdown and described the 2050 target as still too slow. New figures from the Office for National Statistics, or ONS, have revealed the UK economy shrank in April as Brexit uncertainty hit British car production. According to ONS data, the UK's gross domestic product, GDP, declined 0.4% from March to April. The slump has been linked to March's Brexit delay when Theresa May took the UK to the brink of a no-deal exit before agreeing to push the departure date to the 12th of April. British factories, which had planned around the March date, saw their preparations thrown off course, with many forced to embark on planned shutdowns which were rendered unnecessary by the last-minute delay. The new data suggests that stockpiling boosted economic growth ahead of the March deadline, with production then slumping once the date had passed. Rob Kent-Smith, the ONS's head of GDP, said the decline was the result of falling car production, which plunged 24% in April. In UK news. A theatre cancelled performances of a play featuring an LGBT couple on Saturday after two cast members were attacked. The producers of Rotterdam, which is being performed at the Nuffield Southampton Theatres, describe the attack as a cowardly, homophobic hate crime. The two actors, Lucy Jane Parkinson and her girlfriend, Rebecca Banatvala, were targeted on their way to work. They faced verbal abuse from the occupants of a passing car, with one actor also struck by a stone thrown by the car's passengers. In a statement, the actor said, The attack happened because we were embracing. There's no mistake that this was a homophobic hate crime. Producers said the cast members had suffered only minor injuries but were hugely shaken. The attack comes just a week after a gay couple was subjected to a violent assault on a London bus. Police are treating the incident as a hate crime. (laughs) Boris Johnson has come under fire after unveiling plans to raise the income tax threshold for high earners, should he become Conservative leader. Under Johnson's proposals, the 40 pence threshold would be raised from £50,000 to £80,000, costing the Treasury nearly £10 billion a year. Senior Conservatives were among those to criticise the plans this week, with Work and Pension Secretary Amber Rudd accusing Johnson of prioritising those on higher incomes. Launching his leadership campaign on Wednesday, Johnson was quizzed by journalists on some of his past controversial comments, such as remarks describing Muslim women in burqas as letterboxes. Responding, Johnson said, Of course I am sorry for the offence I have caused, but I will continue to speak as directly as I can. Meanwhile, Labour-led efforts to take control of the parliamentary timetable have been rejected after the Commons voted to oppose the move. MPs had hoped to table legislation blocking the UK from leaving the EU without a deal on the October deadline. Tory MPs cheered as the motion was defeated on Wednesday, prompting Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn to say, you won't be cheering in September. A drive to promote diversity in key NHS roles is going backwards, according to a new report by the NHS Confederation. The proportion of chairs and non-executive directors at England's NHS trusts, who are from an ethnic minority background, has almost halved since 2010, falling from 15% to 8%, despite ethnic minority staff making up 19% of overall NHS personnel. The number of women holding senior posts has also fallen to 38%, down from 47% in 2002. Overall, women make up 77% of the NHS's wider workforce. Responding, co-chair of the NHS Equality and Diversity Council, Joan Sadler, said this report must be a wake-up call for a health service, which is heading in the wrong direction and becoming less diverse at board level. Bank overdraft fees are facing a major shake-up, the UK's financial regulator has announced. The Financial Conduct Authority, or FCA, said banks and building societies will no longer be able to charge fixed daily or monthly fees for overdrafts or charge higher fees for unplanned overdrafts than arranged ones. The new changes also require overdraft rates to be clearly displayed in any advertisements in order to help consumers compare products. The rules are due to come into force in April 2020. FCA CEO Andrew Bailey has said the UK's current overdraft market is causing significant consumer harm, with vulnerable customers particularly affected by excessive charges incurred through unarranged overdrafts. The Crown Prosecution, CPS, is facing a judicial review challenge after being accused of adopting policy changes responsible for a collapse in the number of rape cases going to court. The challenge is being led by the End Violence Against Women Coalition and has been funded through the Crown Justice website. The coalition argues that the CPS covertly changed its policy and practice in rape cases, pointing out that the number of cases facing court fell 44% between 2014 and 2018, despite the number of reported rapes almost tripling. Sarah Green of the End Violence Against Women Coalition said the changes had seen the CPS switch its approach from building cases based on their merits back to second-guessing jury prejudices. The BBC has announced plans to scrap blanket-free television licences for those aged over 75. The move will see as many as 3.7 million pensioners need to pay out, while approximately 900,000 households in which one person receives pension credit will still be eligible for a free licence. The ruling follows a consultation of 190,000 people, which saw 52% agree free licensing needed to be reformed or abolished. The BBC said the changes were the fairest option to help the poorest pensioners. The corporation has argued it cannot afford to provide free services to the over-75s, many of whom are increasingly wealthy. Pensioners are the largest consumers of the BBC's output, with the average age of its audience now over 62 years old. The ruling is due to come into force in June 2020, Nurse Lucy Letby has been rearrested by detectives investigating the deaths of 17 infants at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Letby was initially arrested in July last year on suspicion of murdering eight babies and the attempted murder of six others. Police said the 28-year-old has now been rearrested on suspicion of the attempted murder of three additional infants. All the deaths occurred in the hospital's neonatal unit between 2015 and 2016. Cheshire police began investigating the deaths and 16 non-fatal collapses two years ago. Speaking after Letby's arrest, Detective Inspector Paul Hughes described the investigation as extremely challenging. Letby remains in custody and is said to be helping police with their inquiries. Heavy rainfall across England caused serious disruption to the travel network this week. Network Rail reported that Southeast England saw over a month's worth of rainfall in one day, with the worst-hit regions suffering two months' worth of rainfall. The downpours overwhelmed drains, causing flooding in some areas. Travellers using Southern Rail were also affected as the operator was forced to advise people to avoid travel, delay their journeys and take alternative routes. Those travelling in cars faced disruption as the M25 was shut down in both directions for around eight hours after two sinkholes were discovered. The former coach of Southampton FC's junior team has been jailed after being found guilty of sexually abusing young players. Bob Higgins was described by Judge Peter Crabtree as cunning and manipulative and sentenced to 24 years and three months imprisonment. Higgins was found guilty of sexually abusing 24 boys between 1971 and 1996. Now middle-aged, many of Higgins' victims said they had suffered mental health issues and drug or drink problems as a result of the trauma. Former youth player Anthony Connolly waived his right to anonymity to speak out about the abuse, telling the court, Higgins took away my childhood. He added, I hope Southampton FC and the English FA have learnt from their mistakes. Southampton FC has issued an apology to the victims. education news. An East London school has been forced to turn to BBC Children in Need to fund support for its disadvantaged students. Downsville Primary School in Ilford has lodged a request with the charity hoping to win funding to cover three years of pupil pastoral care. The bid comes after the school was forced to let go of its team of pastoral support workers due to budget constraints. Between 10% and 15% of the school's pupils are refugees for whom pastoral support is vital. Head teacher Ian Bennett said, We can't ask our parents for contributions. We have to start looking elsewhere. Responding, a Department for Education spokesperson said, While we recognise that schools have faced budgeting challenges, school funding in England is at its highest ever level. Protesters demonstrating against LGBT equality teaching outside a school in Birmingham have faced a temporary ban. Birmingham City Council has secured a High Court injunction to halt the protests outside Anderton Park Primary School. The injunction bans protesters from an exclusion zone, including the school and the surrounding streets, with immediate effect. Anderton Park headteacher Sarah Hewitt-Clarkson has praised the ruling for keeping staff and pupils safe, saying, We are pleased we can go back to school and tell our staff we will be free from protests outside the school for the rest of the year. Protests have been held outside the school for the last six weeks, with many demanding the resignation of Hewitt-Clarkson over her support of the No Outsiders Equalities Programme. Health news. The World Health Organization, or WHO, has warned large outbreaks of serious diseases such as Ebola could become the new normal. Advising countries and organisations to prepare for epidemics, WHO has said the world is entering a new phase where deadly outbreaks could become common. The organisation believes a dangerous combination of factors including climate change, new diseases, more mobile populations and weak governance could make epidemics more likely. The organisation's comments come as the Democratic Republic of Congo attempts to contain a major Ebola outbreak believed to be the second largest in history. It comes just three years after the largest Ebola outbreak in which more than 11,000 people were killed. A new study published in the journal Sleep Medicine has found night owls can become early risers by introducing changes to their routine. Researchers study the habits of 22 night owls with an average bedtime of 2.30 a.m. For three weeks, the study participants were told to consistently go to bed and wake up two or three hours earlier, as well as getting plenty of sunshine in the morning. They were also asked to eat breakfast soon after waking and have dinner no later than 7pm. The researchers found the changes reduced sleepiness and improved participants' cognitive and physical strength in the mornings. The study follows research suggesting those who sleep and rise later can suffer poorer mental well-being as they struggle to fit typical work or study schedules. environment news, Gatwick has become the first UK airport to trial a reusable coffee cup scheme. Introduced this week, the trial will allow travellers passing through Gatwick to borrow and return refillable cups from the airport's Starbucks outlet. The trial is being run in partnership with the environmental charity Hubbub and aims to tackle throwaway culture. Those who purchase hot drinks to take away will be offered a free reusable cup instead of a paper one, which can then be dropped off at cup check-in points before boarding. The trial hopes to dramatically reduce paper waste by putting 2,000 reusable cups into circulation at Gapwick South Terminal. Approximately 7 million paper cups are used at Gatwick Airport each year. Anna Jones of Greenpeace UK has spoken out against a surge in global deforestation for the farming of consumer products, saying, Our message to companies is simple. Evolve your business to prevent climate and ecological breakdown. According to analysis by Greenpeace International, Forested areas twice the size of Britain have been cleared to make way for the farming of products such as palm oil and soy since 2010. The destruction has come despite pledges taken by the Consumer Goods Forum to end deforestation by 2020 through the sustainable sourcing of four major products soya, palm oil, paper and pulp, and cattle. Discussing the role of big consumer brands, Jones said they've wasted a decade on half measures, and in that time, vast areas of the natural world have been destroyed. In business news, Sir Philip Green's retail empire has been saved from administration after creditors backed a rescue plan. The plan involves the closure of 50 Arcadia Group stores, which include brands such as Topshop, Miss Selfridge, Burton and Wallace, and the loss of 1,000 jobs. Landlords of Arcadia Group outlets have approved the plans, which will see many forced to slash their rental prices. The rescue has avoided the collapse of the retail group, which could have put approximately 17,000 jobs at risk. Speaking to Sky News on Wednesday, Green said it is good to know there is still support out there for the business, for my family and for me. However, retail experts have warned Arcadia must do more to secure its long-term survival, including further investment in its online services. <music> Elsewhere in the world. Hundreds of thousands of people took to the streets in Hong Kong on Sunday to protest a proposed extradition law. The demonstrations began peacefully outside Hong Kong's parliament but descended into violent clashes with riot police in the city's business district during the early hours of Monday morning. The proposed legislation plans to create a system for case-by-case fugitive transfers between Hong Kong and mainland China, which Hong Kong's government say is necessary for fighting crime. However, protesters believe the law will enable mainland China to persecute its political opponents in Hong Kong, which has previously offered a safe haven for critics of the Communist Party. An estimated 1,030,000 people joined the protests on Sunday. One organiser, former legislator Martin Lee QC, has argued that the bill is saying no to democracy and suppressing human rights and the rule of law. Demonstrations continued outside the government headquarters in Hong Kong on Wednesday. Police fired rubber bullets and tear gas at the protesters in an attempt to disperse the crowds. A planned debate on the bill was abandoned after demonstrators surrounded the Legislative Council building. Legislature Chair Andrew Lung said the debate would be held at a later time, but protesters outside the building remained resolute, declaring Andrew Lung, the traitor, can resume the debate at any time. Let's persevere. A doctored video of Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg has emerged on Instagram in a test of the platform's moderation policies. Made by a team of artists, the deepfake video uses artificial intelligence to realistically manipulate Zuckerberg's image. In the sinister clip, Zuckerberg is shown to say... Imagine this for a second, one man with total control of billions of people's stolen data, all their secrets, their lives, their futures. The fake Zuckerberg adds that he owes it all to Spectre, the name of the artist's recent installation, which included deep fakes of other celebrities. Facebook, which owns Instagram, said the video does not violate its rules and would not be removed. However, the platform added that the clip would be filtered from recommendation pages if it was marked as false by third-party fact-checkers. Hundreds of villages have been abandoned in India as a major drought forces families from their homes. Extreme temperatures have hit the country in recent weeks, with capital city Delhi reaching a high of 48 degrees Celsius on Monday. In villages south of Mumbai, up to 90% of people are estimated to have fled, with areas such as Hat Kowadi almost entirely deserted. Drought conditions began in December and have seen 72% of farmers in Maharashtra state suffer crop failure. Approximately 43% of India was experiencing drought by the end of May. The country has suffered significant droughts almost every year since 2015. Scientists believe the harsh conditions are likely to become more frequent in future as temperatures continue to rise as a result of global warming. Our facts of the week are... A luxury durian fruit has sold for 1.5 million baht, around £37,750 at a charity auction in Thailand. Dubbed the king of fruits, the durian is a delicacy in much of Asia, despite its potent smell, meaning it's banned from public transport and hotels in some countries. The enormous bid at last week's auction doubled the previous record price. The fruit is believed to have been snapped up by a wealthy Thai food lover. Ed Sheeran has been named the most played artist on UK radio. Despite releasing no new music last year, Sheeran topped the rankings for 2018's Most Played Artist, the third time in four years he's achieved the accolade. According to the PPL, which gathered the data, Sheeran was closely followed by Calvin Harris in second place and Little Mix in third. The United States achieved a record-breaking win over Thailand in their FIFA Women's World Cup match on Tuesday, beating the side 13-0. The biggest victory ever seen at the Women's Tournament, the game saw the US team score three times in the first half four times in the first 10 minutes of the second half and six times in the game's last 16 minutes. And finally, farmers in the Philippines have been left with a surplus of 2 million mangoes after unusually hot weather led to a bumper crop. To avoid the excess fruit rotting, Philippines agriculture officials have launched the Metro Mango Campaign, holding classes on how to cook with a fruit and organising a mango-themed festival. That's it for
0: this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.